Take your Bible, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Looking unto Jesus. Many of you are looking unto everybody in the world. I don't know. What's the deal that John teaches? Who's that guy? Who's the guy of the university financial peace? What's his name? Dave Ramsey. A lot of you looking to Dave Ramsey. And that's a good principle. A lot of you looking to Dr. Fudunk and the other doctors that's done it and so forth and so on. What's wrong with looking unto Jesus? He's got the plan. It'll work every single time. Let me give you a real good principle. If your outcome is more than your income, then your output is going to be a downfall. You can't spend more than you make. That is going downhill. Let me read you something out of the book of Matthew pertaining to looking unto Jesus in our finances. They'll get our film fixed up in a minute. When they do, they'll, they'll start it, okay? Verse 19, in your Bible, in your Bible, don't get mad at me now. If you do, you'll have to repent and I'll just have to tell you, I forgive you. Here's what Jesus said about finances. Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Do anybody, does anybody have any of these in your person tonight? These are keys. These are keys. In heaven, you won't need any of them. Why do you have them now? To keep Somebody from taking what you have. Where thieves break through and steal. Did any of you buy a new car five years ago? Raise your hand. Is it rattling yet? Rusting. The junkyards of this world are filled with yesterday's dreams and treasures. Amen. If you've got a super duty Ford, have you ever put an injector in it? How about three? I'll guarantee your treasure is very, very insecure. So anything that you can see will rot, rust, or wrinkle. Come on, is that right? You know, I saw Cher the other night on television. Boy, she is, still looks good. <laughs> My wife said, well, if you'd had many facelifts as she had, you'd look good. <laughs> but now she's going to run out of hide one of these days. <laughs> if you can see it, it will rot, rust, or wrinkle. Jesus said, it's not very wise to lay up treasures on the earth. Why? Because rust, moth, and thieves. For, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor uh, doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Here, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And boy, that's the truth. Isn't that the truth? Your treasure controls your heart. Your heart don't control your treasure. Now notice, if you would please, in verse 22, the Bible said the light of the body, uh, the the light of the body is the eye. Everybody agree with that? If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body is full of light. 
Next verse. But if you see too many blue light specials, your light and I is no longer single. It begins to divide on sales, red apple sales at Brother Foley's. Mm-hmm. Blue light specials down at Walmart. The key is keeping your eye single. Now let's read it in context. Think of that. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. What's it talking about, preacher? Verse 24, for no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve mammon and money and God. You can't do that. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. Boy, that's strong, isn't it? Hate and love. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought or don't worry for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than baloney and the body overalls? A lot of Baptists I know is more in love with baloney and overalls than they are with God. That said, life and raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought or worrying about it, can add one cupid to his stature? And why you take thought or worry about raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of them. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or wherewithal shall ye be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that he have need of all these. Now verse 33. Now get this verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. You know what we're so busy doing? We're so busy working and doing and going and trying to get clothes and meat and bread and everything else in the world. We put God on the shelf, put the cart before the horse and pretty soon... We're in so far in debt, we need a cosigner to pay cash. And God said, if you'll just do what he says first, be obedient to him first, then he'll give you all that junk. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Preacher, I didn't know that was in there. Aren't you glad you came tonight? So this year, this year, we're going to look unto Jesus in our finances. Is that all right? I said, is that all right? Yes, sir. And God knows I'm so glad for what's the what's the university piece? Dave Ramsey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that some of you kids have gone through that. And I'm so glad of what it did for you. I would not talk down that principle. But let me tell you something. That is one principle. That's not the only principle. That is one way to budget and to have something. God has a better way. Seek him first. And he'll do it. So this year, would it be all right if we just look unto Jesus in our finances? Isn't it amazing? Have you ever seen anybody play golf and cheat? 
Have you ever played golf with anybody that cheated? I know guys who cheat when they're playing by themselves. They look around the golf course, see if anybody's looking, they'll kick it out my tree. I've watched them. They'll tee up in the fairway. People are strange creatures. Do you know some people will cheat? Cheat God? And act as though everything's all right? And when I preach on money, they're the loudest amens in the house. But you know, you know, you know if you're not right with God and your money. And it won't be long till everybody around you will know you're not right in your money because God won't bless that. That's why we need Dave Ramsey. That's why we need everybody else in the world because Christians will not look unto Jesus in their finances. He said, if you'll do what he said, He'd give you all that stuff. We went and charged it. Then asked God to help us pay for it. Hello. Years ago when I was crazy, I used to talk about kids buying cars with turkeys on the hood. Remember that car they used to buy with a turkey on the hood? I think it was a Trans Am, wasn't it? Big engine, big tires, four speed, 456 rear end, turkey on the hood. You made four payments, you found out the turkey is under the wheel. (laughs) Don't want to make you mad. Not preaching to you tonight. It's trying to teach you something. And in 2011, I promise you, if you will embrace God's principles of finances, not to help our church, just do it because it honors God. I'll guarantee this year, next year, this time next year, you'll be much better off financially. We're going to look unto Jesus this year, not only in our finances, but in our fruit. John 15, please. In your Bible, John 15. You say, well, this is, you don't have any illustrations and poems and stories. No, this is just the truth tonight. John chapter 15. A great theme, looking unto Jesus in our fruit. Oh, let me tell you something. How many of us, I wonder how many of us, God is watching as we stir up dust, doing and doing and doing and doing and doing, that comes to absolutely naught, and God looks down and says, don't you think that they'd have been better off if they'd asked me about that first? Huh? Have you ever done anything you wished about halfway through it, you wish you hadn't started it? Hmm? Did you ever order a meal and wish you hadn't have got the hot one? Andrew and I was coming back from somewhere this week and we didn't have time to stop. And he said, Dad, let's just stop. I said, how about Allsop's? Buddy, Allsop's got some of the best food in the world. Especially it's been laying under that heat lamp for about two days. It's wonderful. Crisp. <laughs> And I forget what I got. I don't know what I got. But Andrew, they, he said, there's some, there's some tamales there. And the lady looked at him and said, son, they're on sale. That meant they've been there three days. <laughs> on sale. They, Andrew said, good. Load me up with fresh tamales from Awesomes. We started down the road. And I looked over and 
Red's face was redder than his hair. <laughs> Everything from here up began to glow. <laughs> I was eating my burrito like I had good sense, you know, and I said, what's wrong, son? He said, well, I can't eat no more of these. <laughs> Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever got into something you wish you hadn't started? Yes. Amen. Hmm? Why don't we just get God in on it before we ever get in on it? Amen. John 15. Look at this. I want to show you something. We're going to look unto Jesus in our finances. We're going to look unto Jesus in our fruit. John number, John 15. I read for you. Verse 15. Verse one. Look at this. I am the vine, true vine. And my father is the husband. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit is taken away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, if you are bearing fruit, God is going to purge you that you bring forth more fruit. Amen. I mean, this Christianity business is a purging business. Amen. Every once in a while, God says, well, boy, look at that fruit. I just believe if I cut that limb off or if I kind of fix that situation, he could bring forth more fruit. And so the Bible says, now you are clean to the word which I've spoken unto you. Verse four, here it is. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Now, what time this morning did you spend 15 minutes just along with God? Now, what, what, what time today did you put forth effort to abide? Not let the world snatch you out and not let the job snatch you out and not let the kids snatch you out but uh, just how much effort today have you put into abiding in him because without that you cannot bear fruit let's read on verse 5 I am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me And I in him the same bring forth much fruit. First it was fruit, then it was more fruit. Now it's much fruit. For without me ye can do, what's the next word? Okay. How many homes can go weeks and weeks and weeks without a time with God together? Husband, wife, kids, sit down, discuss the things of the Lord, Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ, yielding to his will instead of your way. Don't you think it'd be a good idea this next year? We look unto him for our fruit. Because I think the fruit that our homes are producing are not God honoring. Amen. Christian kids ought not to have to go to a psychologist when you have Jesus as the head of the home. Come on now. You know why most kids have to go to the psychologist? Parents. You know why most kids have to go for counseling? Inconsistency on the part of the parents. Don't you think it would be better this year? 
if our church stopped paying a dollar and a half a minute to psychologists, got right with God in their money, and started abiding in Christ for their fruit. Why do you look at me like that? You look like you're mad at me. Verse 6, if you abide, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Wow. Let me ask you something. Have you seen any Christians that look like they're starting to wither? We're not talking about age. <laughs> Have you, ever, have you seen any Christians that's lost the exciting and the thrill of abiding in Christ? Amen. A preacher, folk don't get excited in our church. You know why? Because they're withered. Right. Amen. You walk into the presence of God, there'll be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And you say, well, uh, well, I tell you, I, some folks, I just don't understand why they stand up in service and wave or why they say amen or say, hey, maybe they're not withered like us and become mature, miserable Christians. Amen. What about this year? Let's look unto Jesus for our finances and in our fruit. Would that be all right? Yeah. Well, first John. Chapter 1, if you would please. 1 John chapter 1. You say, well, preacher, I haven't turned this much in my Bible all week. Oh, that's great. Uh, might wear it out tonight. 1 John chapter 1. Did we ever get to film? Do I have any idea? No. Well, check on Jim. All right. 1 John chapter number 1. We're going to look unto Jesus and our finances and our fruit about our fellowship. Look at verse, verse 3 of chapter 1 of 1 John. How many believe your Bible? Amen. Now you really believe it. Amen. Look at this. That which we have seen and heard declare unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with, Je with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write unto you that your joy may be what? Full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another and his blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's impossible to be right this way if you're not right with God this way. 
If you're not right with God, you are a very selfish, self-centered. No, if I am not right with God, I am very selfish and self-centered. Is there anybody here like that tonight? Is there anybody here tonight? It's your carpet. Don't you walk with those dirty boots on my carpet. It's my checkbook. Don't you write no more checks out of my checkbook. That's my car. That's my dog. Don't kick my dog. It's my cat. I'm glad. (laughs) Everybody here tonight, apart from the grace of Almighty God, is very selfish. By nature, we are selfish and self-centered. We know how to say mine, me, my, not ours, mine. My job, my money, my car, your bills. My credit card. And until we get right this way, we cannot maintain a relationship and fellowship this way. So unless we learn to abide in Christ and he in us, I'm not talking about from Sunday to Sunday. I'm talking about moment by moment, hour by hour, abiding in Christ. And then when we have fellowship with him, we can have fellowship one with another. That's what the Bible said. Preacher, when are you going to get right? I try to stay right. Why somebody's, why are so many folks always mad at you? I have no idea. I didn't call them and ask them to get mad. I'm not mad at them. If we walk with the light, as he is the light, have you been walking in the light of God's word today? How about yesterday? How about the day before? How about all this month? How about this year? That's why you got to hang up with people. Because you got to hang up with him. Because my Bible said, if we're in fellowship with him, we'll be in fellowship one with another. And this year, let's look unto Jesus for our fellowship. Instead of trying to please everybody with our life, please him with our life and let him take care of the fellowship. But you better, you better. No, 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 no. You don't better me. He betters me. I better stay right with God. I better abide in God. I better walk with him each day. I need to read so much from his book each day. I need to pray each day. I need to surrender each day. I need to crucify flesh each day. And if I do, then you know what? He said he'd take care of the others. Hmm? This year, I'd just like to kind of look to him for our fellowship. Is anybody here? Yeah. Ephesians 5 talks about Families, you know the verses. At least you guys know one verse. 
Ephesians 5.22, I bet several of you can quote that. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. If I were to have all the ladies raise their hand that's had that quoted to them this year, I could say, God bless our men for good preaching. Right? Nothing hurts a pastor. Nothing disappoints a pastor more than seeing young moms and dads at odds with one another without seemingly to me Maybe not to you. Seemingly to me, the kids are never considered. I said, seemingly to me, maybe in your life you have considered your kids. But seemingly to me, when a a child comes into this world... You have no other life. The child now rules what you do the rest of your life. Now, I don't know if I'm old-fashioned or weird or not. But there's no way in the world I'm going to walk up and look in the eyes of my kids and see the disappointment and the hurt. I may do that, but you bet your bottom dollar it'll never be intentional. And it'll never be because of selfish reasons on my part. Because my Bible says, submit in yourselves one to another, verse 21. In the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I think it's pretty plain in the Word of God how families are to maintain spiritual, emotional, and physical harmony. You say, well, I don't love them. What's that got to do with it? God never said... That you got to love one another to live together and have a family and raise good, honest, God-fearing kids. You show me that in the Bible and I'll quit preaching tomorrow. What does emotional love have to do with commitment to God? I get so sick of folk walking my office. I don't love him like I used to. Well, you probably never did love him. You probably don't know how to love You probably don't know how to receive love. You probably don't know how to give love. We had a member here one time, and I think now he's been married 10 times. He married two in our church and weren't both of them. Sure did. And when he was separating from number nine, I had to walk around with a lady in her house while our men moved the furniture out to keep him from brutally attacking the woman. 
I wish he'd have hit me. That would have given me a good chance to backslide and whoop the devil out of that sorry booger. Everybody's allowed to backslide every once in a while. What's love got to do with it? The only love that's got anything to do with it is loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. And if you love God like that, then you know what? You're going to please God regardless of whether your wife put on weight or not. Well, I just deserve better. Go look in the mirror, would you? Buy you a pair of glasses, would you? Maybe you got more than you deserve already. Always, well, man, I tell you, some of you guys need to get rid of computers. You don't need to be looking at that stuff. Well, this year, without preaching, we're going to look unto Jesus in our finances, going to look unto Jesus in our fellowship, going to look unto Jesus in our fruit, going to look unto Jesus in our family. Is that all right? And we're going to look unto Jesus for our fervor. You say, now what's that? That's heat. And we've lost some of the heat. I preach in Baptist churches. Folk just shut me down, standing up, yelling, amen, praise God, hallelujah, pass that around again, participating in the service. Nowadays, I wonder when that guy's going to get through. Lost or fervor. Acts chapter number three. Acts chapter number three. The Bible said that guy sat at the beautiful gate all his life. And uh, there was begging alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Peter and John, a couple of Baptist preachers walked by. Can't prove they're Baptist. Yes, I can. They quoted the famous Baptist verse, silver and gold. Have I none? A while ago, we took an offering. You guys quoted choose Baptist. You didn't put anything in. You'll get that after a while. Guy sitting there on it. Guy sitting there. Sitting there by the beautiful gate. All these years, somebody carried him there for all these years. Never felt anything from his waist down, sitting there with a cup. In Hebrew, Nishai, Nishai, that means uh, alms to the poor, alms to the poor. You didn't know I knew Hebrew, did you? I know a little. He lived right around the house, Mike. Uh, Nishai, alms to the poor, alms to the poor. Peter and John walked by. You know, remember what happened? Peter and John walked by and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Arise and walk. Peter reached down, grabbed him by the hand, and when he took him by the hand, the Bible said immediately his ankles received strength. For the first time in all of his life, he felt something warm from his waist down. As the blood began to circulate to the bottom extremities of his body and began to ignite tissues and cells as it began to warm and burn. Have you ever got your feet real cold in the wintertime? Come in by the fire and start warming up and the blood starts circulating and it just feels so good. You just got, kind of got to shake all over again. Yeah. Huh? Well, that's what happened whenever that started hitting him. And boy, he jumped up and the Bible said he went running and leaping and praising God in the temple. Amen. Who stole your leap? Amen. Where'd your jump go? Folk around you're afraid to say amen, afraid somebody. You know, I got a friend that won't let you ladies say amen, but he'll give you a fan when you walk in. And when you want to say amen, you hold the fan up. If you really get happy, you can wave the fan. Huh? Think I ought to pass some fans out for you folks that's embarrassed? Hey, 
You want to shout? Shout, man. You want to say amen? Say amen. Want to stand up? Waves? Amen. If you want to do it, hey, we've lost the fervor in our church and we need to get it back. And this year, bless God, we're going to let the Holy Spirit of God move in this place. Amen. Care if it hair lips the devil and all his imps. They say, well, bless God, that church down there, you heard about the lady who visited us down. Well, boy, don't ever wear suspenders. I'll tell you what, you can't walk if you got one suspender loose. You walk lopsided. Amen. Lady visited our church right down, down the old church when we were down there. And somebody asked her, said, well, why did you join? Why did you visit our church? Said, I'm tired of them dead churches. I'm looking for one that's alive. That's what she said. After the service, she went out and grabbed my hand and said, not that alive. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what they're looking for. I don't know what God's looking for. Where the spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. Is that not so? And I just wonder if God reached over and told you to shout. If you'd look around and see who's watching. Liberty is what we want, bless God. We want the Holy Spirit to run this place, not Brother Wolfenbarger or not Dr. Foodunk or Sister Sue. We want God to run it. And this year we're going to look for God for our fever, our fervor, fever, fervor. Amen. Told you I wasn't going to preach. This year, we'll look unto Jesus in our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our what? Of our faith. Consider him. Consider him who endured the contradiction of sinners. Lest you be faint and weary in your mind. Hey, God's got all the answers. God has the answers for us this year. Amen. It's not about money. It's about him. It's not about having fun. It's about him. It's not going to a social club. It's about him. And if you get excited about him and you want to stand up and say, praise God, just stand up and praise God. Anyhow, that's what this year's all about. This year's not about big. This year's about good. This year's not how many people can we run through the baptistry this year is how many people is going to fall in love with Jesus Christ and become disciples of his and honor him with their life. It's not about how big the choir is going to be. It's how good are the people who sit in those chairs going to honor God with their life. Amen. 